You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Always a good feeling being in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for being faithful to Bible study tonight and into our series uh, called Better. We're talking about the new covenant uh, being better than the old covenant. And we've been going through the book of Leviticus and uh, we'll be joining up uh, after the next lesson into the book of Hebrews and how the two books connect and how, uh, how there's so many uh, connections to those two books. And, uh, of course, uh, talking about the new covenant, I'm thankful for the new covenant that God has provided for us. And um, if it wasn't for that, then uh, we would have a, a, a really no reason to get together. But I thank God for his wonderful, wonderful power and spirit that has worked in our lives. And because of that new covenant, we come together tonight to worship him and praise him, to learn about his word. Amen. And uh, because of the change he's made in our lives. And so um, tonight we're going into lesson number five. And um, we've been kind of jumping around throughout the book of Leviticus. And um, because uh, obviously we don't have the time to go through the book verse by verse. Uh, that would take uh, many, many weeks uh, to be able to do that. And uh, so we've been kind of jumping around the, uh, through the book. And uh, uh, last week we talked about the feast and the festivals. And um, tonight uh, we're going to focus on, on a, a particular topic that happens in the last three chapters. Uh, and then next week we'll kind of bring it all together in the book of Leviticus. Um, but the last three chapters of, of Leviticus, chapter 25, 26, and 27, uh, talk about and speak about worship. And uh, worship is a very important aspect of what we do. Uh, worship uh, is a reverence or a devotion uh, or an allegiance that we pledge to God. Um, it's it's uh, a ceremonies by which uh, we express ourselves, everybody uh, has a different expression of worship. There's not one way of worshiping. Um, if you look at the English word uh, for worship, it comes from an old English word, worthship. Worthship. A word which denotes the worthiness of one receiving that special honor or devotion that we're giving. And so when it comes to the Lord, obviously he is worthy of worship. He's worthship. He's worthy of that worship. And uh, we are uh, giving that worship to him. And whatever aspect we worship him, however uh, we respond, uh, uh, every one of us can worship in actually different ways. We don't all uh, worship the same way. But what is important is that we give the worship to the Lord. Amen. And so in the Old Testament times, you see Abraham who, who built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord, uh, the worship of God um, uh, that you see through the life of Abraham, you see it time after time where he built an altar and he worshiped God. Uh, we may not come and build a physical altar every time, but we make where we are an altar. And uh, it can be at 
the altar here, but it can be at an altar uh, at your home or on your, on your walk or wherever the case is. You can build an altar of worship to the Lord and give Him the worthiness of worship that He deserves. Uh, after God's appearance to Moses and the deliverance of the people of Israel from slavery out of Egypt, you see the foundation of the Israelite ritual uh, which was laid. This worship took place in the light of, of history, especially uh, with the exodus of the Hebrew people out of Egypt. And through Moses, you see an establishment of principles of, of Israelite worship. And you see that through uh, different commandments that the Lord gives and how to worship. You'll see that throughout the book of Leviticus, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. When you get to New Testament worship, uh, it was characterized by a joy and a thanksgiving because of God's uh, re- His grace and His mercy uh, that was shown through us through redemption, of course, in Jesus Christ. So we, we give Him uh, praise and worship and thanksgiving. It's a joyful uh, uh, reaching out to the Lord. You see this um, uh, early Christian worship that focused on God's saving power. Well, it hasn't changed. We still worship God because of who He is. And we worship God because of what he's done in our life. And so uh, you, you see it spoken of in uh, John chapter 4 and verse 23. Jesus is having the conversation with the woman at the well and says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is with our personality in sincerity. So we're, we are who we are, who you are, is how you worship. You're not, you don't have to worship like someone else. God created you. And you do that out of the sincereness of your heart where you're looking at the worship of the worthiness of God and say, you know what? I'm going to give him worship because of who he is. Um, You see the Jewish uh, Sabbath was quickly replaced by the first day of the week in the New Testament uh, in a public public worship. And you see uh, actually in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10, it's called the Lord's Day. This was an occasion to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and uh, how he arose on the first day of the week. Well, that because of that resurrection, then we get to see the resurrection power in our own life. And, and no matter what's happening in our circumstances or situations, we can allow worship to arise to the Lord because of how he has resurrected our lives. No matter what we were in the past, Aren't you thankful for that? No matter where you came from, what your background is like, you can worship God in spirit and in truth because of the power of God's resurrection power in your life. Amen. Thank the Lord. And so you have many early Christians of Jewish background that continued to follow uh, the law and the customs of their people. They reserved uh, uh, observed the Sabbath and the Jewish holy days and even annual festivals. However, you see in the life of Paul, and he speaks about it in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, he frees himself from those obligations and goes on to what we see in New Testament 
worship. And Paul even says, listen, this is even for new converts. And so you see worship take on uh, um, because you, you have to understand that through the, the, the beginning of the New Testament, they were still following the law. Okay, that was all the way up to Calvary. And, that, and you even had people that were uh, following and desiring to follow even past that. But Paul says, listen, there has been uh, something that has happened in people's lives that uh, here's, here's a form of worship that's going to happen that not everyone is going to do it exactly the same. But the importance is that God receives the worship that you're given. That's the key. Okay, so if, if you're sitting in your pew and I'm standing, uh, that doesn't change whether you or I are worshiping. What matters is who we're worshiping. That's the key. And so here's the point, the background of all this. So when I, when I talk to you a little bit about what chapter 25, 26, and 27 of Leviticus is talking about, it's all focused around worship and how that is obviously relevant for us today. Um, the first thing you see in chapter 25 is Lebe the Sabbatic year. Uh, of course, that's called different, different things. Uh, uh, it's called rest of entire rest, uh, where that's because the lamb was to have complete rest from cultivation. It's called a year of rest because it was the, the, the rest that was extended throughout the whole year. You also see it called uh, by the name release, and that's because all the debts were uh, remitted on that particular item that's not the same as Jubilee. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, and it's also called the seventh year because it was, the cele it was celebrated every seventh year. And the spirit of the Sabbatic year was, uh, is that it's, it was based on the weekly Sabbath. And the rest of the lamb was, uh, was, to keep, uh, uh, was to be kept in that seventh year, was not to increase in its fruitfulness by laying, uh, you know, making sure it was planted. You say, well, I'm, I'm going to get an extra year of crop here. That wasn't the plan. God wanted that land to rest on the seventh year. It was rather uh, the idea behind what God was doing, besides it being good for the land, he had, he had other purposes that were also good for people, not just the land. It was uh, to afford a spiritual rest and a quickening with the, the, the attendance life or the people that were involved in this blessing. Uh, so Israel, the people of God, were to learn a couple things through this Sabbatic year, which happened every seventh year, and it was going to happen seven times before the Jubilee. Uh, first thing was that the earth, which was uh, created for man, was not merely just uh, land for man to gain power or profit, but that uh, it may also have a, a time of rest. It's good for the land. That's a natural thing. So that's, that's, that's a positive. Uh, the second goal was, obviously, for the congregation, the people of Israel, to not be laboring uh, continually with the sweat of their brow, but to receive a spiritual quickening or an awakening where they could allow themselves to be refreshed. Well, the idea behind that, that happened uh, uh, seven times uh, before it reached the 50th year, which was the year of Jubilee. And that Sabbatic year, like the year of Jubilee, began on the first uh, day of the civil year, which is uh, the month of Tishri. And uh, the idea behind this has four laws. It had four things that 
that God was trying to teach. And here's the relevance of what those things have to us today. Because he does, nothing is in the scripture by accident. Nothing's in there by accident. He has a purpose. And there's a connection. And so uh, you got this idea that every seventh year, the lamb was the rest, and the people who worked the lamb was the rest. That was to happen seven times, which would take us to 49 years. And the reasons behind that, the soil, the vineyards, the olive groves, were to have perfect rest. There's, there's a type behind that, that we're to have a perfect rest in the, in the Lord. The idea behind seven is completeness or perfection. God uses the number seven in many, many occasions throughout Scripture, and that is for us to see that our completeness or perfection is in Him. The law behind one of the four laws that was behind what was being put forward was that there would be a perfect rest. Do you know that you and I tonight, we just don't have to try to hold on by the, by the skin of our teeth or, or by just the tips of our fingernails. No, no, you can find an actual perfect rest in God. No matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is happening in the world, you can have a perfect rest in God because you find your completeness or your perfection in Him. It's in Him. It's not in the things of our society or even in people. You find your perfect rest in Him. Everything that you need is in Him. And when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling exhausted, when I'm feeling stressed, when I feel like I don't know what to do, when I feel like I don't know which way to turn, no matter what the situation is, you can find your perfect rest in the Lord. If you need direction, he's got direction. If you need a refreshing, he's got refreshing. If you need a strengthening, he's got your strength. Amen. That you need. There's perfect rest in him. The idea behind what the law was was uh given to in, in, in Leviticus chapter 25, it was more than just something temporary for that day. God was preparing that there would be a perfect rest for his people. A perfect rest. That's the first law. The second law is that there would be a spontaneous growth of the field or of trees. Now, here's the interesting thing. Even though they did not work the seventh year, it didn't stop certain things from growing. Trees didn't automatically say, um, well, we're not producing fruit just because the laborers are not here. It happened anyway. It became spontaneous. There's an idea behind having a perfect rest in God. There are things that God allows that are spontaneous in your life at times when you're not even trying. You'll notice that God will come to the plate. He'll step up in your situation sometimes when you weren't even praying about it, when you weren't even focusing on it, when it wasn't even what you were putting your effort into, and all of a sudden you become aware that God's involved. There's a spontaneous growth sometimes that happens. This is a law of the Sabbatic year. 
You couldn't stop growth even though you weren't working. We sing a song. Sometimes God's working even though you don't know he's working. He's a way maker. Sometimes things are happening and you didn't even realize it was happening. And all of a sudden you come to a realization God's been up to something. God's been involved. Spontaneous growth is happening sometimes when there's not even effort being given. You've worked hard for six years. You've been given everything you got. And now's the year uh, that the Sabbatic year is happening and, and rest is taking place. And you're not out there in the yard and you're not out there in the fields. Yet growth is still taking place. I'll tell you how important that is. Yes, it's important. That doesn't mean you don't pray and you don't seek God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sometimes you do your best and God does the rest. He steps up in situations where he already knows ahead of you and I that an extra bit of growth is going to be needed even though we're not aware of what's taking place. Because you have perfect rest in him, he'll allow spontaneous growth to happen in your life. And you'll look back and say, God was at work. God was allowing this to happen, and I didn't even realize. God was working on my situation, and I didn't even know. God was providing a, a spiritual strength, and I didn't even realize. There, spontaneous growth happens even on the seventh year, even when there was no labor being given. Third, the third law of that day, debts with the exception of the ones owed by foreigners were to be canceled. Um, God steps into situations and lets us know that he'll take care of what's owing. I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking about our lives as individuals. We find our perfect rest in him. We, we experienced spontaneous growth when we weren't expected. And all of a sudden we realized God took care of it without my input. Have you ever had a situation where you, you look back and you say, that could have got messy. That could have, that could have became a problem. That could have got out of hand. That could have. And yet you realize that God's hand was involved. God was at work. God was moving in a powerful way, a special way in so, certain situation or someone's life. And you realize, you know what? God had his finger in the pie. God's hand was involved in that situation. And he canceled the debt. I was left owing. I would have been uh, in a bad situation. I would have been uh, uh, unable to take care of that need, whatever the need might be. I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about any situation where you and I, at times, uh, don't measure up to what's needed. But it's God stepping alongside of us. It's God taking your hand in my hand and allowing him who is our strength. Uh, he, it, it's allowing him who, who knows what we need, uh, amen, to step into situations and say, you know what? I'm going to take care of that for you. It's a principle. It's a law of worship. There's times when you catch yourself in, in moments of worship to the Lord. You have no idea what the week's going to entail. 
No idea. And all of a sudden, about Tuesday, you realize, man, I, I'm, I'm some thankful for that worship time I had with God where I was just renewed and refreshed and reminded of how powerful he is. And, and I, 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 I'm needing that right now. And the, one of the greatest examples of that uh, is I always, I always share it about my dad. Um, of course, my dad got hurt on a Tuesday. But that Sunday, the Sunday two days before, for about an hour and a half, my dad was dancing all around the church, not knowing that Tuesday would be the last day that he would even walk. Now, that's on this earth, unless a miracle happens. But my dad, at times, will remind and say and put that into talking or testimony. I remember that Sunday night that I had such a free time in God's presence, having no idea what Tuesday was going to bring. God took care of the debt. God took care of the situation. That's the third principle. The fourth principle uh, uh, that happened, or the fourth law that's part of this, finally at the Feast of the Booths in this year, the law was to be read to all the people. That included men, women, children, and strangers. And they were to do that in a solemn assembly, a solemn assembly or in the sanctuary of all the people together. So you have, you have a, an idea. Of course, the word is always part of our, uh, or should be part of our environment when it comes to worship. Uh, it's, a, it's absolutely crucial that our worship is, is uh, uh, based around the word. I'll give you one example of that. My worship should not be distracting to you to watch me instead of worshiping God. Okay? You're, you're not here to worship, watch me worship. You're here to worship God. Okay, so uh, our worship should be that it's uplifting to him and it's not, you know, providing some funny jokes or moments for you there back in the back seat or in the front seat or in the middle seat or whatever seat. Okay, our, you know, um, uh, I'll have times when people say, well, you just, did you see this? Or did this? No, I actually have my eyes shut worshiping God. I wasn't here worship, worrying about anybody else. It had, nothing else was on my mind. I got one thing in mind. That's to worship God. <laughs> Lots of things uh, people would miss and uh, not even get caught up in as if they were actually worshiping God. Our worship should be around uh, the, the word of God. So when we come, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's not that we get together and chat. That's good. I like that. But that's not why I came to church tonight to have a chat with you. Came because he's worthy. Come to worship him. Come to praise him. Come to share his word. It's about him. So you see how these, these uh, w- when you look at these laws, these principles that are around the Sabbatic year, I'm getting my true rest from the Lord. Perfect rest. I'm finding that in him. A perfect rest in him. And when I find that perfect rest, uh, uh, then, then all of a sudden it, it happens in my life that there's a spontaneous growth. And God allows things to take, uh, be taken care of that I didn't even realize. And I'm basing that all around the world, the word. And so when you have those principles together, uh, this is the basics of how he wants us to worship. And he, he created that out of uh, an example of the Sabbatic year of every seventh year 
for seven times. Then we get to, this is, this is mentioned and talked about in chapter 25. Then we get to the year of Jubilee. And Jubilee means blowing the trumpet. It was the 50th year of the seven cycles. So after the 49 years, it becomes the 50th year. So after seven sevens, you have this 50th year, which was called the year of Jubilee. And the, the, the word Jubilee comes from a, the Hebrew word yobel, which means to be jubilant and to exult. Uh, it means to get excited. You're going to show some emotion. And the word is related to a Hebrew word for the ram's horn or trumpet. And the jubilee year was launched with a blast from the ram's horn on the day of atonement. And it signified a call to joy, a liberation, the beginning of, of the year of doing justice and loving mercy. This 50th year was a special year because it proclaimed liberty throughout all the land. Now, the liberty that it provided was pretty incredible. So sometimes the lamb was God's, but sometimes the lamb was given on behalf of deaths. So people would give uh, the land and, and say, this is going to take care of my debt. Well, uh, on the 50th year, that was released. Debts were let go and freed. People who had become slaves were given the opportunity not to be slaves. There was a celebration that happened on this 50th year of joy and liberation. It was a powerful moment. Um, it happened every 50th year, which is, which is um, a quite a long time to wait. And most times, people didn't get to see too many of them. It would just depend what, when you were born, how many you got to see. If, if, uh, if you were born the year right after it happened, you didn't have too many to view. But this 50th year, like the sabbatical years, the year of Jubilee was a year of neither sowing nor reaping. And that 50th year became important to Israel's economic life. It, if anyone wished to redeem a person in debt, the price of doing so was calculated on the basis of the number of years that were remaining until the Jubilee, and they were let go free. There's a lot of detail that we could get caught up in, and I could share with you. The focus is... Everything was freed. That was a powerful moment. The Jubilee year had a leveling effect on Israel's culture. It gave everyone a chance to start over. Economically and socially. The Jubilee year reminded one of God's interest in liberty. And allowing people to be free. It stands as a witness of God's desire for justice on the earth. And whether it was economically or socially, God said, I'm going to bring everyone under the same umbrella on the 50th year. So this is what is spoken of in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4 Verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, we, we read verse 19 at times, and we don't get too caught up in verse 19. We get caught up a lot in verse 18, because that's where all the things are happening. You know, when you look at verse 18, and you see how powerful verse 18 is, um, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and liberty to those that are oppressed. I mean, there's a lot of things happening in verse 18. And rightfully so, we focus on verse 18. But verse 19 is not there by accident. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a reference. Jesus is going back to the year of Jubilee. At, uh, the time when God is willing to accept people or to receive people to himself. And what becomes so powerful in the New Testament is you don't have to wait for the 50th year to be set free. I'm thankful that that's not the case. I'm, I understand the, the, the importance of the year of Jubilee throughout the Old Testament and how that was so important to them. But Jesus said, listen, I've come to do it all. And this is the acceptable year that it can happen. It can happen this year. It can happen next year. It can happen the following year. Every year is an opportunity for people to be set free. It's a year for people that are brokenhearted to recover. It's a year for those who need to hear the gospel to hear the gospel. No, no year is that not for. The gospel assures us that the guilty may return and that God, his will graciously, uh, he will receive them. So even though it's an allusion to the 50th year, the Jubilee year, uh, the, the Lord is saying, listen, uh, the restoration of debts, uh, the, 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 the freedom of people who are caught up in slavery, that can happen at any moment. At any time, by anybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank the Lord. The, the phrase, the acceptable year, means the time when it would be acceptable to God to proclaim such a message that would be agreeable to Him when the gospel should be praised. The acceptable year. That's why when he told the disciples before he ascended, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you the great commission. I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to preach the gospel to, to, to every nation, every creature. I want everybody to hear. It wasn't that you're only allowed to do that every 50th year. No, no, no. I want you to go and tell everyone about the good news of Jesus Christ, and they have the opportunity on the spur of the moment instantaneously to find perfect rest. They're going to allow themselves to have spontaneous growth. Their debts can be canceled. 
And this is all based upon the Word. The principles of the Sabbatic year right into the Jubilee year still are in effect. When someone is set free by the power of God, they get to experience perfect rest. They get to experience spontaneous growth. They get to experience God taking care of the cost of their, of their situations. All based upon His Word. Thank the Lord. Listen, it still has relevance in 2022. And this is all coming back to the topic of chapter 25, 26, and 27 of worship. Okay, i got to hurry. I'm only through one chapter. Got two more to go. Um, chapter 26, if you look at the beginning of chapter 26, you'll see where he begins by talking about the blessings of obedience. When he's talking about the blessings of obedience with worship, uh, he gives some pretty clear instructions about our worship. Uh, 26 verse 1, uh, we're going to go through uh, some scripture here. Uh, the first three verses, I think, do we have Leviticus 26 and 1? Um, if not, I'll read it to you, but they're working in, in the back there to get it. Um, so Leviticus 26 and verse 1, this is what it says. Uh, they'll bring it up as I read. It says, Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. He gives some guidelines for this worship in the first three verses of chapter 26. And he starts out with the most important part or aspect of worship. No one else deserves it. That's what he's saying. Nothing else can take his place. He's not okay with anything else coming ahead of him. When it comes to our worship, he's to be first. There's no graven image. There's no idols. There's no stone. Of course, he's talking about man-made things that they would have had in that day. Of course, some people could still have those things today. But it becomes greater than that. There's a lot of man-made things in our world that tries to steal our God's worship. All kinds of things. And he's making it very clear. He said, I'm the Lord your God, and I don't want anything else coming in place of me. When it comes to our worship, it's not on a certain day. It's not on when it's convenient. It's not even when we need something. No, our worship is based upon who he is, and he deserves it, and nothing else should take its place. Hey, that, that, includes, that includes my family. That includes work. That includes money. That includes activity, recreation. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But they don't take place of God. 
They don't come ahead of my worship to him. As soon as they do, something happens in our worship. There's something that takes place that it's not as Jesus said to the woman at the well. The true worshiper shall worship in spirit and in truth. Sincerity from their personality. It can be, it can be understood by God that something else is grabbing the attention of me over him. And God's not okay. The Bible talks about him being a jealous God. He desires my worship over everything else in this world. That's how he starts. That's how he starts the guidelines. He starts in chapter 26. He's talking about obedience. Um, and so you see that in verse 1. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence the sanctuary. The, obviously the rest in him. And the place where you worship. And so um, you, can, you can extend that to a normal building. But it's more than that. Uh, you have become the temple of the Holy Ghost. So it's even your own body. And so, yes, the place where we gather, there should be reverence for the house of God. It, it kind of bothers me when, when we kind of lose reverence for even the house of God. Oh, I could actually touch quite a few things right here, but I think I'll move on. I'll leave that for another day. Uh, and if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, obviously following his, his word and following his commands. So these are the things that he desires for you and I to be obedient in. I'm not going to go through the whole list, uh, read the whole chapter, but I'll just, I'll just highlight a few things. He says, if those things happen, he says in verse 4, I will give you rain in due season. Verse 6, he says, I will give peace in the land. Uh, verse 8, he talks about you and I being victorious over the enemy. Verse 9, he talks about you and I being fruitful. Verse 12, he talks about being with us, not leaving us, staying close to us, being our God, us being his people. These are... These are all things that God will do if my worship to him is based upon nothing else getting ahead of him. Now, these, are, these were uh, auto, automatic commands, laws under the, the book of Leviticus. They even become greater in the New Testament. Listen, there's, there's, a, there's something that happens for uh, an individual who says, listen, I'm just going to put God first in my life. And nothing else is going to come between me and him. God, God allows there to be an abundance of rain. Not just physical rain. Abundance of his presence. He allows there to be peace in the person's life. He allows there to be a fruitfulness in the person's life. He's walking and talking and communing with people on a regular basis. This is about putting God first in your worship. He said, listen, he, 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 he's got all kinds of promises for you and I. That he will remain close to you and I if we worship him in spirit and in truth. I could spend uh, a lesson on each one of these. Then he goes through from verse 14 down and talks about the opposite. It's not a nice picture. It's not a nice picture at all. He talks about disobedience and the curse. 
of disobedience, he says in verse 14, but if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, then he talks about all kinds of things. He talks about appointing terror and, and setting his face against us, and, and he will break the pride of, of our power. He goes through a whole list for the rest of the chapter. It's not, it's not a pretty sight. What, what, what does that mean? I claim to know him, have a relationship with him, walk with him, and I'm not willing to worship him? Then get ready for a life of disaster. Someone who doesn't know, uh, they're, they're on the, the way towards. For someone who already knows and won't do it, there, there's, a, there's a big issue in my life that that happens. Well, you know what? I just... I don't like the way things are, or I, I'm, I'm not happy with this, or I'm, get over it. Get over it. It's not about you and my preferences at all. It's about his worship. It's about his worthship. You don't even have to like me. You have to love me, but you don't have to like me. You need to worship God because of who he is, right? This is about I'm going, to put, I'm going to put everything else in the forefront of him. This is, God, you are at the center of my life. I don't want anything disobedient in my life at all. I want you to rain down upon me. I want there to be a peace. Of, I want a fruitfulness. I want, God, you're walking and talking. I want to know your voice and the clarity. What does that all mean? You need more peace? Then worship more. You need to feel more of his presence? Then worship more. You want to hear more clarity of his voice? Get in his presence and worship him more. You want to become more productive and see purpose and, and fruition happen in your life? Worship more. It's built on that. This is the, the basis of, of how our walk with God. I'm going to worship him. That's one thing you and I can know without a doubt. The enemy can't stop you from worshiping God. Circumstances of life can't stop you from worshiping God. You just make up your mind. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to wake up with a song upon my heart. I'm going to wake up with a praise upon my lips. I'm going to worship him no matter what's taking place. And that, folks, frustrates the enemy to no end. When everything possible comes against you and you still worship God, he can handle it. Okay. How are we doing? 13 minutes left. Let's jump to chapter 27. Chapter 27 starts out with the vows and offerings and how we worship God through that, consecrating, committing ourselves Obviously, to God in all aspects of our life. And um, the five T's, truth, temple, time, treasure, and talent. Those are the five T's of our life. And you, you worship God through all of those things. So you can worship God with the talents that he's given you to use for him. You worship God with the time that he's provided for you. The truth of his word, the temple of the Holy Ghost. And you also worship God with your treasure. 
in chapter 27 talks about uh, worshiping God through tithing. Tithing's not, uh, it's not an option. It's a principle. It's a principle. Now, I don't expect to get everyone all excited here. I'm going to teach it anyway because it's Bible. Okay, so tithing is you're not giving money to me. I don't get your tithe. I thank God for the church uh, taking care of salary, and that's coming out of tithe. You're not giving your tithing to me. I pay my tithes. I'm not paying my tithes to me. <laughs> paying my tithes to the Lord. Goes into the storehouse of God for the ministry of this church in our city and beyond. But it's a principle. And the principle is understanding whose money it is to start with. It's all his. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have any. The Bible's very clear. All the gold and the silver belongs to him. I don't even, I don't even debate that. Okay, so the principle behind tithing, which is he made it so awesome for everybody, it's a percentage. And the percentage works no matter how much money any of us make. If God has blessed you with, with a, a, a greater income, then he's blessed you with the, the, the ability to even tithe more. Not based upon a higher percentage, but the same percentage. That's the wonderful thing about how God has done it. So the tithe goes into the storehouse because it already belongs to God. Then behind that, we pray, God, help me to use the other 90% to the best of my ability for you. And what's so awesome about that, God has the ability to stretch what you have left. He does. He does. He'll stretch what you have left. In all kinds of ways, things will last longer. You might even get better gas mileage. That's, that's pretty important right now. He has a way of taking care of people who follow the principle. It's a wonderful thing. Someone asked me one time. What percentage of your members tithe? I said 100%. The ones who don't are just attendees. Seriously. That's how serious it is. I'm glad everyone comes to church. And I'm thankful for that. But if I'm going to follow the principle of worship, it's also in my treasure. Because where my heart is, that's where my treasure is also. So it comes down to this is an act of worship. People get all worried and bent out of shape talking about money. I don't do that at all. I'm, I, have a, I have the opportunity to be a blessing to the work of God. My dad taught me that whether I got 50 cents for shoveling someone's yard or whether you made $500 this week. It makes no difference. Makes no difference. You start 
with just paying a tithe on what you got. It is an aspect of worship. You know what happens is you get one televangelist that messes everyone up with, if you send this, you get this, and if you buy this, I'll send this to you. Doesn't change their life, and then they think oh, every church is after money. Because there's one or two bad apples who want their own plane, doesn't change the fact that principle of tithing is still real for what the scripture says. Now, I'm going to just, I'm going to finish it with this. We're almost done. You're, you okay? Evander's not, but are you okay? So here, I'm just, I'll finish it with this. Some people try to use an argument that it's not a New Testament principle. Well, all the New Testament people only had the Old Testament to follow. They followed the principle of tithing in the New Testament because they followed the principle of the Old Testament. And I always get into this discussion with people who feel that that's something that needs to be replaced. And I always ask them if they're sure of that. Because the New Testament replacement is at the end of Acts chapter 2. When everyone sold everything that they had. And brought it to be separated to everyone as they had need. Now, I, I think tithing's a great, great aspect. Don't you think? <laughs> now, we, you can imagine how... Incredible that was in Acts chapter 2. And that's not, that's not what's being required. Understand, you can't outgive God. And the only aspect of Scripture that you can prove God is with finance. You can read that in Malachi chapter 3. It's the only aspect that you can actually prove God. And that is through finance. He will be a debtor to no man. No man. Okay, it's pretty quiet in here, except for Brother Wayne. He's, everyone stands, so I'll quit. The interesting point of all, it's worship. It's worship. When your finance becomes a bill, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. I don't pay my bill to the church. I get an opportunity to worship God. So, here's the deal. I'm looking for perfect rest. I'm looking for a perfect rest. Spontaneous growth. Where God just takes care of what I need. And I'm doing that according to following his word. Because I want to be absolutely free. Free. To worship him in all aspects, even including my finance. These are all principles. Now, I, I just focused on uh, the end of chapter 27. But remember, remember your worship is in the five T's. Truth, temple, talent, time, and treasure. It's good to tithe on your time. 
It's good to talent or tithe on your talent. You've got some wonderful talent that's available uh, in society. Find a way where you can use that on a part-time basis for the work of the Lord. It's wonderful. Um, is it okay if I use you, Brother Wilson? Too bad. I've already let it out of the bag. <laughs> Brother Wilson worked for many, many years with CRA and different aspects. He has been an absolute godsend to help us with some small churches that need the expertise of Brother Wilson because of his knowledge. Now, some people get all nervous about CRA people, and I'm just thankful for him because he's using his talent for some small churches that can have an absolute benefit of his talent for the work of the Lord. What a blessing. Isn't that? What a wonderful blessing. Amen. Okay. God, I thank you for these wonderful people. They had to listen to me tonight. And God, I just pray that your mighty power and spirit would strengthen them, encourage them, uplift them. Let us come back, God, I pray on Sunday. God, with an expectation of a mighty move of your spirit. God, we're just learning about the things of your word. And God, we're just applying those principles to our lives. And we just want perfect rest in you. God, I want spontaneous growth in my life. I want you, God, to take care of the things that are needed. I want to do it according to your word. I just want to be free. I want to worship you in every aspect of my life, God. Allow your power and spirit to be with every person that's here tonight. Minister to them. Strengthen them, God. Guide them and direct them. Put your hand upon them. Protect them, I pray. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.